The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Get the Funk Out, and I have a very special show today. By the way, this CD, you're getting a little teaser, is Stacy Robbins' latest CD. She'll be coming on my show May 7th. It's called Reach. I've known her for quite some time. She is an amazing artist. She's with a bunch of uh, other groups, imaginary friends, and she does her own solo work and performance in my events, and she'll be coming on May 7th. Try to fit in a little music of hers a little later on the show. But want to tell you about the Newport Beach Film Festival, and it's my pleasure to have on today's show the director of a film called Magic Camp. His name is Judd Ehrlich. And there are only 18 films premiering at the Newport Beach Film Festival, and Magic Camp is one of them. And I had a pleasure of checking out the film this weekend. Welcome, Judd. Hi, thank you. I loved your film. It's very exciting. I understand it's making its world premiere at the Newport Beach Film Festival. Yeah, we're incredibly excited. This is the first time we're showing it. Really, no one has seen it besides a small group of filmmakers putting this together, and it's really, really exciting to fly out from New York, and so many people from the film, the characters in the film, the staff of the camp, and the kids at the camp are coming out for the premiere, and everybody's really excited. Nice. Great. That's so exciting. And I love the tagline, no campfires, no swimming, no sing-alongs, just magic. Well, it's true. I mean, people think of summer camp, and those are the things they think of. But this is 24-7 magic. It's only magic. These kids are completely consumed by it, and that's all they do. And kids and and the, the campers and the staff alike look forward to this camp all year long. This is This is the chance for them to come together from all over the country, and just be with people that share their passion. That's fantastic. I was reading the uh, short synopsis. I, I got a whole press kit, and I'd like to just read it over here, just, unless you want to give your own summary, or you prefer me to read the synopsis over the air. Sure. Okay. To escape the pressures of growing up, magic-obsessed kids congregate at one place they can be themselves, Tannen's Magic Camp the most prestigious and well-known magic institution in the world. They want to prove their worth on the same stage where superstar magicians like Blaine and Copperfield once performed. But to get there, they need to learn more than sleight of hand and tricks of the trade. They have to find the magic inside. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really what the camp is about. It's, It's not just about learning the technical skills to be a magician, of which it's really hard. And these kids practice constantly. But that's a given. That The staff knows that these kids are going to be practicing all the time because that's what they do. That's what they love to do. Right. So the camp is really about finding your voice. It's, it's really about the journey that every young adult takes sort of find themselves, mm-hmm. and, and in a way, it's just, uh, you know, um, in that time at camp, these kids are really finding their voice, who they are as performers, and who they are as people, and that's that's really where it goes beyond the magic to really just a story about about these kids. And these kids have 
incredible backstories. And, you know, as I was talking to you off air, um, it's interesting to see the personalities and, you know, the just who they are and what they bring to the camp. And these are not kids that fit in necessarily to their own uh, school setting, to certain groups. And and magic seems to be something that they all just gravitate to, but they all have some other things going on in their lives. Yeah, I mean, these are, you know, this is not the captain of the football team. Exactly. These are kids who are, you know, um, doing something that in some ways is a vanishing art, you mm-hmm. know, and they're, they're really keeping it alive. Um, and when they get together, they just have this really strong, like-minded community that accepts them for who they are. So the camp becomes this really safe space for these kids to explore um, who they are and to talk about um, maybe some of the more difficult things in their lives that all kids experience. But, um, you know, kids really need a place where they can feel comfortable, where they can feel that they're not going to be made fun of if they if they make a mistake. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of place that, that Tannen's Magic Camp really is, um, and that's what makes it so special. What do you think it is about magic that, you know, let's say a child with Tourette's or somebody who's not socially accepted, what is it about magic that makes them, you know, a different person at this camp? Yeah. I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons why kids are attracted to magic. Um, I, I think that there is that element of escape. There's the element of wonder that they can sort of give to other people. Um, the idea that a kid could do something that an adult would have no idea how they did did that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, there's an element of sort of mastery of the world that, that these kids can feel, um, which I think is very powerful. Um, yes, yes. And, you know, once they get hooked, it's hard to stop. Sure. Um, and then you combine that with the community and the peers that they find through being involved in magic, and it's sort of an intoxicating mix, I think, that really, really holds them um, in the craft. What's interesting to me is watching somebody that perhaps could not stand up in front of their peers and speak about some subject matter, some research project, but they can get up in front of a camp full of kids that are so interested in magic and they can perform like like Brian who has Tourette's in your movie and you know he'll take feedback about how to dance how to relax more on stage how to and he just seems so much more at ease yeah i mean i think that again as i said i think this is they understand that this is a really safe space mm-hmm. and they under they really appreciate um, it's something that Hiawatha, who I think you're going to be talking to after me, talks about in the film, who's one of the one of the staff members, who, by the way, all of the staff is volunteer. They're professional magicians who volunteer this week um, of time every year to come to the camp. And all of them have been coming for 30 years, 35 years. Um, many of them have been, were campers before and then became counselors. So Hiawatha talks about in the film that we are brutally honest here, and we are so honest because the kids appreciate that. You know, there mm-hmm. are times, I think, in all of these kids' lives where 
um, on the other side of, you know, um, the spectrum of, of maybe being bullied or picked on um, is being treated with sort of kid gloves and, mm-hmm. and uh, not wanting to be honest with them. And I think at Magic Camp they understand that they're going to get critiqued and the critiques can be harsh, but it's all out of love and respect and with the goal to make them better performers and better people. Yes. You know, it was really moving. I was the the stories of each character as I said earlier were were so intense and so deep and and then they're there and they're just so focused on uh I think it was um was it Reed no it wasn't Reed, it was Jonah who had uh, mm-hmm. severe dyslexia. He was the youngest of the group, right? Right. Yes. And he's learning how to flip the cards and he's just you know, the intensity and the focus and I I just it was really interesting to watch. Yeah, I mean, magic is, is one of those things, too, that I think takes such intensity and focus mm-hmm. that if you have stuff going on in your life, um, which all of us do, um, it's a way to really escape into something um, that's, that's really incredible and really productive and gives you a real skill. Um, and um, there is that kind of focus and intensity. I mean, Brian, who, as you mentioned, has Tourette's and, and um, ADD and several other things, yes. talks about when he does magic, he doesn't have any ticks, you know, and it's that kind of focus that takes you away from your problems, away from um, those other things that's really, really incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he was, it was very moving to watch him. And just how resilient, and, you know, they would get this feedback, and as you said, sometimes it would be kind of harsh, and they would just bounce back. They would keep going, you know. Tell me about, you've been a magic enthusiast for quite some time. How did that evolve when you were growing up? Right. Well, I grew up um, in lower Manhattan, and I, uh, it was a very different place than it is now. Not, not a lot of people live down there. Um, and basically where I live near the Flatiron Building were all novelty shops, magic shops, and the most famous and oldest magic shop um, down there uh, was called Tannen's Magic Shop, and it was a place that I went a lot. Uh, Judd, excuse and, me, are you talking, uh, uh, I, I grew up in New York, but um, I was young. Yeah. Is the Flatiron District, was that in the 40s? On like Seventh no, Avenue. No, so the Flatiron Building is right uh, between Twenty Second and Twenty Third Street, where oh. Broadway and Fifth Avenue cross each other. There. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, you know the, the building itself actually is in the shape of an iron. So that's oh, that's I know where that is. Name. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, right by Madison Square Park there. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it was when I was growing up there. Uh, you know, in the seventies and eighties, it was a very industrial neighborhood, but they did have all of these novelty shops and a handful of magic shops, and Tannins was one of them. And um, I learned that Tannins um, had this camp, um, and uh, I went, and it was just, uh, you know, I felt then, as I do now, that it was just this very special place. And, um, you know, later became a filmmaker, uh, made films, but always had in the back of my mind that I had to do something about the magic community. And, um, went back to uh, the the people who run the camp and said, you know, I have this idea, and I, I talked to them about uh, what I wanted to do. And they said, you know, we've been approached 
many, many times to do all sorts of things and do reality shows and this and that, and we've never felt comfortable. But because we know you, you were a former camper, we know you respect magic, we know that you understand this world, we're going to trust you enough to to do this. And that was really, really a great honor and um, a great responsibility to to, uh, make a film that um, was was really special. So I, I hope that we've we've done that. Well, you, you capture it in a way that it's just so real, and you have the day-in, day-out experience of these campers, which is very powerful. Yeah, I mean, the, the camp, as I said, I mean, some people, after the, watching the film, they're really amazed that the camp is only a week long, because you feel like you've gone... They feel like they've gone on this real journey with the with the kids, and um, they're surprised that it was only a week. But you know, it's really a, a testament to the the crew that we had working on this, and we had basically two crews filming literally around the clock. Uh, I mean, we we wow. did not sleep for a week, um, oh. and we shot probably about two hundred hours worth of footage during that week of camp. Um, so it really was this um, immersive experience for us, for the campers to have us there. Um, and, um, you know, luckily they really accepted the fact that these cameras were rolling all the time. Um, and uh, it was it was really wonderful. That's great. Well, I, again, because you were a camper there, you had an empathy and understanding of you know, the whole experience. So I think you you could capture it in a way that wasn't like exploiting them or, you know, you were really creating something very special. Thank you. Uh, tell me, you've also directed and produced Run for Your Life, and it was Emmy-nominated. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, that was my uh, last documentary about another uh, interesting <laughs> subculture that mm-hmm. came out of New York um, and was started by somebody named Fred Lebo, who was the the founder of the New York City Marathon and really the founder of, you know, the running boom and, and marathoning yes. around the world. Um, and, and that was a really wonderful project. Um, again, I sort of came to it through a personal, personal connection, um, friends with uh, Fred's nephew, and, uh, and, and came to it that way. I, I was not a runner, but I became a runner while I was making the film, and I ran my first New York City Marathon. Wow, so it was sort of the opposite of um, getting more involved in that subculture as I made the film. Um, but, um, yeah, really um, happy with that film, and, and a lot of people seem to like it, and uh, that had premiered in, in Tribeca, New York City, which was a wonderful world premiere. And I think the world premiere uh, in Newport is, is going to be just as wonderful. So, um, you know, and I should mention that, that um, I think I mentioned it briefly at the beginning, but um, all of the kids, all of the campers, all of the staff are flying out from around the country for this world premiere. Um, the kids are going to be performing at the world premiere and we'll have everybody up for a question and answer. So it's going to be a really special, uh, a special world premiere. And um, fantastic. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let me mention the details so if people want to come come by. Right. Uh, the world premiere at the Newport Beach Film Festival will be Saturday, April twenty eighth at three o'clock, featuring filmmaker Q and A and live magic. Encore screening is May third at three thirty p.m. And you can also 
Look up the complete schedule and find out more by visiting the NewportBeachFilmFestival.com. So do you want to talk about any other projects you have going on? Well, I I guess the the project that's furthest along um, is kind of a crazy story about somebody, an inventor who was coming out to uh, Hollywood in the 70s, who had bought the rights to a science fiction book, and he wanted to make a science fiction blockbuster. Mm. And in the process, he um, um, started a to build plans for a science fiction theme park, and he brought on Jack Kirby, who's known as the King of Comics, who invented basically all of the Marvel superheroes. He bought it, brought on this guy named John Chambers, who had won the Academy Award for Planet of the Apes for doing the makeup. Oh. Sort of this all-star team of people. And um, things end up getting a little crazy. Things go, go wrong, <laughs> and there ends up being a lot of intrigue, and um, the CIA ends up using uh, many of the, the scripts and the drawings to free hostages in Iran. <laughs> and so oh, it's gosh. this sort of crazy story that's really sort of stranger than fiction. Um, and um, actually, uh, George Clooney and Ben Affleck are doing a film that's coming out uh, based on part of the story, and it's coming out in September. Um, and so we, we, we may um, time this for around, around then. So it's, it's it's interesting. It's fantastic. We have a few other projects as well, but yeah. And you've also created and curated a multiple film series at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. How did that come about? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I've done I've done a number of things um, in the film world, um, and it's I think it's um, you know it's a, it's a, it's for both practical reasons, uh, you know documentary filmmaking, I think you just have to be passionate about. You have sure. to believe that there is uh, that there is a really good reason to have good stories out in the world. Um, and it's not where you're going to make a lot of money. So you have <laughs> to really be passionate about it and really stick to it um, to see these projects through to the end. And you have to have a team of people as well that that feels the same way. So I think, um, you know, on all, all my projects, I've been lucky to really work with wonderful people who sort of have that passion, who want to see wonderful stories out in the world. And um, I, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, people feel as good about the film as we do. That's great. Let me ask you, uh, I know you grew up in New York, and did you know at a young age films were what you wanted to do? Or is this something you did? did later on, like after college? Yeah, I mean, I was always passionate about film. I always really loved documentaries, even mm-hmm. from a from an early age. Um, but, um, you know, actually after school, I, after college, I was in graduate school to become a counselor, and I worked mm-hmm. for many years in social work. Um, and that was actually how my first film, Mayor of the West Side, came about, um, the um, the subject of that was a client of mine, a developmentally disabled teenager who lived in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And um, I just said to myself after working for many years uh, as a counselor and a social worker that I had this 
sort of passion for film, and if I didn't take the chance at that point in my life, I probably wasn't going to do it, and I, I just sort of made the leap and was able to go, took an internship, and, and instead of going in once a week, I showed up every day, and they were like, who is Good this guy? we yeah. we got to give him a job. And so <laughs> He's very went persistent. From, went from job to job like that in editing, and... and um, and uh, yeah, and that's uh, so. I, and I, I think, um, in a way, um, my training as a counselor and uh, in social work has really served me well in documentary because so much is gaining the trust of your subject. So much of it is the kinds of questions you might ask in an interview, being a good listener, um, and those were all things that I sort of worked on as a as a counselor. And um, so it, it, I really see how those skills have also sort of helped me as a, as a filmmaker. That's fantastic. If people want more information about the film or you, where can they go? Well, the website um, for the movie is magiccampmovie.com. Um, the, the movie we mentioned about um, Fred Lebo and the New York City Marathon, it's called Run for Your Life. The website there is fredlebomovie.com. Um, my company is Flatbush Pictures at flatbushpictures.com. Okay. Um, and, yeah, I would really encourage people, if you have any interest um, in just a great sort of coming-of-age story, um, if you have kids, I mean, I have two kids myself, and they've seen the film, and they love it. They're in second and fourth grade. Oh, I was going to ask. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I would encourage you to come out. We'd love to see you. It should be a really special, special event. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to meeting you. I'm going to be coming to the festival, and I will bring my kids. Great. Sounds great. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. And up next, uh, a little after 930, we'll have camp instructor Hiawatha Johnson joining us from the film as well. Thanks, Judd. Say hi for me. Okay. Thank you. All right. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So that was Judd Ehrlich, the director and producer of Magic Camp. And we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with the next guest from the film, camp instructor Hiawatha Johnson. of your son or daughter becoming a professional athlete or a renowned heart surgeon. But while you're dreaming, consider this. The odds that your child will be diagnosed with autism are 1 in 166. Knowing the signs of autism and catching it early could make a world of difference to your child and to you. To learn the signs, visit AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Hi there, I'm Janine, the host of Get the Funk Out. And the first half of the show, we were joined by Judd Ehrlich, the director and producer of Magic Camp, which is making its world premiere at the Newport Beach Film Festival on the 28th. And next up, we have 
Camp Instructor Hiawatha Johnson. Hiawatha is a magician, musician, a dancer, a teacher, and a choreographer. Welcome, Hiawatha. Good morning. How are you? I'm absolutely splendid. What about you? I'm great, and I love the movie. It really made my weekend, and I'm thrilled that you could come on the show. And we just had Judd on, and now you, and I'm I'm really excited. Well, it's a pleasure. I hope you really did enjoy and not just saying that to I'm make not. us happy. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I was very moved, as I was telling Judd, by the uh, students in the film, because I was saying that, you know, I could see how these are not kids that would typically fit in in their school. And Oh, yeah. You know, and they have their own issues, emotional, physical. Some are overweight. Some are, you know, emotionally, they have, they've been through a lot at such a young age. And they come to camp, and it's this safe place where they can rise up and and they can take feedback that is not always so positive and it's kind of harsh but they take it and they get out there like brian for instance who has tourettes and oh uh, man unbelievable yeah he's one of my favorite students of all time of all time amazing and so i want to before we get into the film tell me about how you got involved in working on this film well it it all came through through Judd. It was wonderful that Judd was a camper uh, back uh, some time ago, and you two probably got into that at one point. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came to us saying he wanted to to shoot this movie, and that the camp really meant a lot to him, which really touched us, sure. because uh, so many of the people who've come through the camp have have and do other things and that's the beautiful thing about the field of magic many people just see us as those who stand on stage and go poof and something (laughs) something happens but uh, magicians are in so many phases of our everyday lives and some do it professionally some professionally and some keep a serious interest but there's so many people like Judd who are doing different things who still have a serious respect for magic and I think that comes through uh, through his storytelling. Sure. Now, were you a student at this uh, camp? Or you... No, okay. no. No, I was not a student at this camp. I was brought into this camp by one of my favorite people in magic, a gentleman by the name of Mayor Yedid. And Mayor met me out. We were at a magic convention. I can't even remember what city at this point, and he saw my work and said that I would probably fit well at the campus an instructor, asked me to come in for a few days, mm-hmm. and that's what I did. I didn't come the whole week. I just came in for a few days, and really, they enjoyed me. I enjoyed them. It was a, it was almost an instant uh, instant connection, Fantastic. and I've been teaching there ever since. <laughs> How long is that? It's since the late eighties. Okay, so quite some time. Yes. So what I you... was there when Judd was there. A, a oh, student. you were. So you yeah. remember him as a young kid? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see something in him? Did he have a lot of talent at a young age? I uh, I do not remember Judd that well, okay. and I don't make any bones about that. Can't That's be phony right. about it. That's all right. I could not remember him uh, <laughs> from that time. Some of the people who were who came through during his time I work closer with, uh, like uh, David Blaine or uh, Adrian Brody, who also came through this camp. And so being 
the early days being over 100 and some students. Mm -hmm. If you really want to give the quality and be honest about it, you know some when you see them, you see their faces. Remember again, but remembering exactly how he was as a student, uh, I can't say. Uh, I do say he obviously was affected deeply because he still uh, shows the basic things that we Nice. We teach there. He 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 is the shining example of it, frankly. That's fantastic. What is your backstory into magic? I mean, does this stem from a childhood filled with learning different tricks and things? Uh, basically, I was inspired to do magic by two things, and I I actually tell these two stories in my act, and I tell people that this is this is the the, the truth. So it's not just something for the act. Mm-hmm. But one was. Uh, my first experience was being maybe four-ish, I don't know, and my brother comes in from school, his older brother, about six years older, and he says, I'm going to show you something, and he makes a penny. He tells me he's going to rub it into his arm, melt it into mm-hmm. his arm. It's going to heat up and disappear, and sure enough, that's what he did. just blew my mind. And then sometime later, there was a show that came on television called The Magic Land of Alakazam with Mark Wilson. And it came on every Saturday, and Mark was a pioneer in advertising with regards to using magic for this. And and uh, so he was a spokesman for Kellogg's for, for many years. Uh, nice. Mark Wilson, and is still honored to this day, held and high esteem by people in the magic community. Mm-hmm. At any rate, having those two experiences, then I started talking to my parents about magic. We, They allowed me to order things. We made frequent trips to Washington, D.C., and there was an excellent magic shop there, Al's Magic Shop. And once again, Al Cohen is held in high esteem in the magic field. So it was kind of lucky that way. And mm-hmm. then just kept reading more, researching more, beginning to go to conventions, began competing in magic competitions. <laughs> there are a variety of competitions, and I enjoyed that competition because many of the people with whom I used to compete are now great uh, friends and associates. That's great. And uh, one thing led to the next. So That's great. What else do you do year-round? My primary job, if it were, is at Randolph College in Lynchburg, Virginia. I'm an artist in residence here, and it, it is quite wonderful. been here for uh, many, many, many years, and I'm based out of the Department of Dance, and uh, uh, where I do music for uh, the variety of classes we have, and I choreograph some and uh, teach some, and it's quite nice. I do different things for the theater sometimes, direct plays for them or choreograph for them, and then also every now and then work with the music department uh, sit in for their concerts, so it's a it's a wonderful job where I'm allowed to do to do my thing. It's quite quite enjoyable. What's great is I'm uh, I was looking at your uh, bio online. There was an article written about you in uh, the Berg Weekly Entertainment Guide, and it was you're doing so many different things in the arts. It seems like really filling your artistic talents and your pursuits, and it must really just fill you each day of all the you're meeting so many different people and you're you know whether it's musically or you know you're composing or whatever you're doing as i'm so 
so excited to do what I do. I can tell you on it on the worst day, and I have these conversations with fellow artists. On my worst day, I am so happy to do what I do. I mean, right here at the college, for example, I, we have visiting artists that come in and out, and and right now the visiting artist is a former dancer with from the Paul Taylor Company. I've known her for so many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, visiting artists, uh, artists from the Martha Graham Company, the Lamone Company, uh, the um, Chuck Davis African American Dance Company, the just some of the stellar people and a uh, woman who brought me here, Helen McGee, was Martha Graham's right-hand woman for years. And That's then great. in Magic, the associations, and Music, the association, it's so... Sometimes I'm just almost overwhelmed, but I I pay attention and just live every day to its complete fullest because I'm very, very fortunate. That's fantastic. And you also have created the Heritage Ensemble and the Flavor Series. Could you tell me about that? Oh, uh, thanks for asking about that. Uh, Here at the college, I've been here uh, many years, and as the college has evolved, I have watched the population of the, uh, what I would call pan-African students, that is, uh, students, whether they're African-American, Puerto Rican, uh, African, Puerto Rican, whether they're straight from the continent, I've watched that number increase. And as that number increased, there were different uh, situations that would arise that I knew certain conflicts, etc., and certain misunderstandings could be clearer dealt with if perhaps the arts were involved with it. And so we pulled this group together utilizing Pan-African uh, poetry and prose and music and so once a year, the students, uh, I bring them together, and we have what would basically be described as a seminar that allows them to, well, I should allow us, to delve into each other's uh, cultures and subcultures because the assumption is that I'm of African descent, you're of African descent, we all do the same thing, and that's not true. And I've just found that many times what people consider to be prejudices and ignorances is just not knowing. And so we open up that way and through the music, prose, and poetry, come up with a theatrical presentation that is done once a year and is highly supported by the school and the community. It is a wonderful bonding time and I really tire of people talking about what they're going to do to help us communicate better. It's nothing better than seeing it in action. So That's beautiful. It's, yeah, that's it's, my way. Thanks for asking. Oh, sure, sure. I, I thought it was very interesting in your bio. Is there a way for people to see some of this online somewhere? Uh, from time to time, and I, I've shied away from that, but more and more things being posted um with regards to that work online, mm-hmm. and the best question right now, best answer right now is to say no, okay. but <laughs> in the not-too-distant future, yes. It would be great if it was streamed, or just clips of it, uh, something on randolphcollege.edu or something, because it yeah. sounds so powerful. Thank you so much for asking about it. Oh, I can't sure. That enough. sure. Tell me a little bit, uh, one more question about the film. Just... 
what what was it like? You know, you 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 knew Judd a little bit maybe when he was younger, but working on the film, what was this this whole experience like doing this documentary? This was hands down one of the most gratifying experiences I've ever had, and I'm not just saying it because of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the truth is, no matter what you would say about it or any critic or anyone, I'm just very very moved by this film. The the from beginning to end, the approach used was very forthright. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no sneakiness involved, because I've been involved in, in projects where I'm told one thing is going to happen, and then it, it happens differently. Oh, that's the worst. He, he was very, very upfront. Right. Uh, people were allowed to be themselves. What you see is real. There, There's absolutely zero put on Mm -hmm. for him and since he'd been through the camp before he understood the the importance of things being handled correctly and so it has been the whole time and still is wonderful to see what we do as magic artists approach with pure respect uh, to to show that it is more than just the tricks we do and trying to learn the secrets it is it is uh, we take the craft as seriously as a dancer or a musician or an actress would we study the work and of course like anything else there are those of us who should I say aren't so astute aren't so focused yes. but the entire time from the crew with with whom we worked, to his direction, to the meetings, to uh, looking at the film itself, which I really feel is just the quality piece of storytelling. Uh, It has been a very uplifting and, no pun intended, magical experience. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what was interesting for me is watching these kids, as I said earlier, who socially I can see they probably don't have a lot of friends. And... You know, Reed here, he's talking about how he lost his mom at seven. He dropped out of high school to pursue a career in magic. And I was thinking, have a full life. Experience a lot of things. It's it's great to have magic. I mean, for instance, look at you, Hiawatha. I mean, you have a full life of different things that move you. And these kids, they focus so much on the magic and there's an intensity in them. But I felt bad for a lot of them. I I can understand. I'm curious what uh, you've said it a little bit, and I know you're interviewing me, but I'm curious what things made you feel, as you say, bad. Well, you could tell emotionally there was stuff going on with them. You know, whether a child looked, for instance, um, Jonah was going to reenter school and he he was being treated for severe dyslexia. And then, you know, I don't want to give it away, but he finds out something happens to a family member. And I think, look at this kid. He's going on. He's he's doing it. What an intensity. It's such a young age. And they're not sitting there wanting to watch TV or play video games. They're focused. But you could see they just seemed, whether it's Brian with Tourette's, who feels like, you know, with magic, he doesn't have Tourette's. Right, right, it right. Was so, it was just so moving, and I, I just felt more for these kids. You know, it, it gave me a chance to get a glimpse, not in their magical skills, but who they are. I'm so glad you said that, because that is so crucial. And people should understand, not everyone that gets into magic is warped. Uh, right. I've not met anyone who is not a little bit 
odd and especially artists. I've met (laughs) so many that are just messed up in the head, including me. And so, uh, but, but what you said is just very true that there we, it's one of the main things we try to get across is the more you can be yourself, embrace who you are and turn that into magic. And if you haven't explored your life, if you haven't looked at your life, you have nothing to bring to the magic. It, yes. it reminds me of of high schools and sometimes colleges that do theatrical productions and they have all the bells and whistles and it and it all looks good and 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 it's not embarrassing at all but they do not have the the individuals may not have the life experience to bring the 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 total picture to to the role right. and and that happens with magicians too very interesting. Now, if people want more information about you, do you have a website they can throw out to our listeners? The the best way to uh, check on, up on my activity mm-hmm. is the old little Facebook thing. I'm one of these people, I admit, who's gone kicking and screaming into the <laughs> 21st century. I really have. And, and ironically... Uh, have been over the past six months, honestly, working with someone to do the proper website. But the easiest way to reach me is Hiawatha Johnson Jr. at Gmail or reach me through the college, Randolph College uh, dot edu, uh, Hiawatha Johnson Jr. And uh, uh, once again, just kicking and screaming into that 21st century. I know it's embarrassing, <laughs> but it's the truth. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, thank you so much for calling into the show. And I are you coming to the uh, premiere? The- yes, I will be there. I'm Beautiful. so excited about being there. Several cast members will be there, yes. including uh, Anna's great the Judd and David Lieberman, excellent editor, will be there. Beautiful. I'm quite excited about it. Beautiful. Well, I hope to meet you. I'll, I'll be there as well. Oh, beautiful. Then I will see you there. All right. Have a wonderful Monday, and thanks again. Thank you so much. Take care. Peace. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Get the Funk Out, and that was Hiawatha Johnson, one of the instructors from the film Magic Camp, which is making its world premiere at the Newport Beach Film Festival on the 28th on Saturday at 3 o'clock. If you want more information, you can visit NewportBeachFilmFestival.com. want to tell you about our upcoming fun drive that's coming on at 10 o'clock this morning, and it's our way of asking you to support us because we're all volunteers here. And it's a great way to give back, you know, to us. We're providing great public affairs shows, music shows, and we're trying to raise $10,000 this year, and every little bit helps. And to thank you for whatever type of donation, we have all kinds of amazing premiums from CDs to T-shirts to different things. And so at 10 o'clock, we're starting our fund drive, and all you have to do is call up 949-824-KUCI. That's 949-824-KUCI. KUCI and show your love for this station. I've been here, let's say, since 2007, and I do love this station. There's a, an amazing group of talented, talented DJs here, again, giving you public affairs programming and music, and we have live acts, and we do a lot through the community. So, again, we would love your support this year, coming on at 10 o'clock, and it goes through May 4th. <laughs> All right, that was a little taste of a new CD from Stacey Robbins. She'll be on my show May 7th. That was her CD called Reach. That was Follow. On top of the show, we heard 
of her title track, Reach. And I want to thank director Judd Ehrlich from Magic Camp and also Hiawatha Johnson for joining me on today's show. The film, again, is Magic Camp, and it's making its world premiere on uh, the 28th at the Film Festival. For more information, you can check out the Film Festival, NewportBeachFilmFestival.com. And again, 10 o'clock today, just a few minutes, is our fun drive. Up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. Have an amazing Monday. I'm your host, Janine. Get the funk out, and I'll be back next week. Have a great one. Close your eyes for a moment. Now imagine you're away from it all. Beside a crystal clear mountain stream, the cool grass crunches underfoot. Take a deep breath and drink in the sound of water cascading over the stones as birds call out from above. A real paradise like this isn't easy to come by, but it does still exist. And with your help, places like this one can last forever. You see, the Nature Conservancy works locally with communities, businesses, and people like you to preserve the most precious natural places around the world. They protect the animals that live there, the plants that grow there, and even the water. That way, this beautiful place will be beautiful forever. And we'll make sure that closing your eyes will never be the only way to get there. I'm Paul Newman. Help the Nature Conservancy save the last great places. Visit the Nature Conservancy at nature.org. That's nature.org.